You are listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the American Snippets podcast. This is episode number 175 with Craig Sawyer. Again, this is part of our seven-day series, our New Year's countdown, our year in review, where every day since the day after Christmas, we've been dropping these short little podcast episodes, about you know five to 15-minute little snippets from some of our top episodes of 2020. And in conjunction with that, um, as I've been saying, if you've been listening in the last three or four days, we are also running a review contest where we're giving away 25 of our patriotic t-shirts from our swag store, americansnippetsapparel.com. All you have to do to win a shirt is leave us a review. So this is how it works. Uh, If you're an Apple user, you're going to want to go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Uh, Scroll all the way down. You'll see a, a section there. It says, write a review. Write it, rate the podcast, write a review, take a screenshot of that review and email it to me at dave at americansnippets.com. The first 25 people to email me a screenshot of their review will win a t-shirt. The first 25 people. Okay. Uh, we got one review, a couple reviews in already, um, a, a handful, actually, this is one I want to read from, um, someone called Melissa Smith. Uh, we definitely appreciate her support. She says, amazing. Love you guys. You're the best. It's hard to find great podcasts anymore. Seems everyone has started one since the pandemic, but they're horrible. You're all what all Americans should be patriotic. So we appreciate that, Melissa, and you're going to have a nice, uh, cool little t-shirt coming your way. Uh, So if you want to win a t-shirt too, again, just leave us a review on iTunes, uh, write a review, rate the podcast, and then download the last 10 episodes. That will really help us as well. Podcast reviews are really important in helping us get out there in front of more people and growing our audience. If, for whatever reason, you don't have an iPhone, you're not, that's not your thing, you have an Android or something like that, Uh, You can also leave us a review on podchaser.com or download the Podchaser app. Podchaser is a great little platform to listen to podcasts, leave reviews. Uh, And actually, it's a little uh, social media thing there, too. So you can, you know, follow people, grow an audience, follow podcasts, write your top podcasts. So you can leave us a review there as well. So to recap, a review contest is going on right now till January 3rd. All you have to do is rate the podcast, a five-star review, write a written review, take a screenshot of that review and email it to me, dave at americansippets.com. You can either do that on iTunes with Apple Podcasts or on podchaser.com. So let's get into today's episode with Craig Sawyer. Craig Sawyer is a former member of SEAL Team 6. He's a veteran of the Federal Marshal Service and his federal career came to an end after he blew the whistle to expose leadership corruption. From there, Craig followed a path that ultimately led him to found Veterans for Child Rescue. He and his team, including his daughter, who is a sexual assault survivor herself, uh, worked together to expose and bring to justice those who prey upon our children. Craig shared details of his whistleblowing experience and his current work in his full interview with us back on episode number 143. So check that out as well. But in this episode, we bring you some snippets of what Craig shared with us uh, back then when we interviewed him. So you can listen in uh, to Craig as he describes how he exposed federal corruption, what the sitting president at the time, Barack Obama, did to the guilty person, and his current work rescuing children. So without further ado, here is Craig Sawyer. You are listening to the American Snippets Podcast. 
I've been writing the book for years. I had a, had a uh, best-selling author decide to spend two years co-writing the book with me. And we, were, we went through the whole thing. And at the end of it, he said that his publisher said that they wanted SEAL Team 6 secrets or it wasn't yeah. marketable. And I said, that's never been on the table. Well, what are you thinking? And, you know, he talked yeah. to me for two years, <laughs> no better. And he's like, well, they say that's what they need. So anyway, he was obviously the wrong author to bring the truth to the people. This guy specializes in basic, really uh, fiction. And yeah. uh, this is hard hitting real world stuff. So I've got another uh, friend who's been, she's fantastic. So she's writing the book with me. So we're going to expose it and, and let the American people know what the, what everybody refers to as the deep state really is. Uh, it's just a bunch of bureaucrats who have become corrupted in the federal system. And uh, they don't, they, they benefit from the corruption that exists now and they don't want it to change. And so they're dug in deep and they refer to it as deep state. Some people don't understand what that is, but it's just a really, a, it's a government bureaucrat primarily that, that comprise what we refer to as the deep state. So anyway, I blew the whistle on this guy and uh, merit systems protection board. Uh, he began uh, first, first thing he did is he called me and said, Hey, the, uh, the inspector general just told me that you uh, reported my management. And I thought to myself, that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Inspector General Ice in, in 2004. So that's your culprit. Uh, that person's corrupt. Uh, they, they called the, the crook instead of investigating him. So the reason I blew the whistle is because I had three agents come into my office within one week. saying, And I had 210 agents to manage for about six months until they could hire more. Uh, and what agency managers. was this? This was Federal Air Marshal Service. Okay, federal, yeah. And so... Uh, one guy came and said, Hey boss, you know, where are your back plates, you know, your, your, your armor in the office because <clears throat> it's, it's so hostile here. This guy, this new uh, manager is, uh, he's so hostile. He, he's ruining all of our careers and all the best guys. And, uh, man, Did they mean that literally. No, he was, he was kind of joking, like wear your back plate so you don't get stabbed in the back. It was, it was I asked because my husband was killed by a fellow soldier. This oh, was, wow. Yeah. So well, that's why I like that stuff. It's not crazy to me. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It's not, no, well, it, it does happen. And yes. he was being literal in the sense of, hey, watch your six around here right. because this is getting, this yeah. is getting like a pressure cooker as far as hostility and the tension in here. And it was, it was really bad. And uh, the first guy I called, I said, hey, look, cooler heads prevail. This guy's only supposed to be here for two years. He's basically a tourist. He's an SES level executive and uh, he was, he was retired or fired from the FBI. We don't still know which, uh, but um, they're only, they only have a two-year contract. So just do your job, keep the high road, stay professional. This guy will be gone before you know it and we'll run it, you know, professionally and we'll, we'll restore the morale here and the performance and we'll get back to, to optimal once he's gone. Well, the guy didn't want to leave. He liked that lucrative second job, yeah. and uh, and they hired him to to create an MOU, Memorandum of Understanding, between the FBI and the Air Marshal Service, so that when we arrested a terrorist on the plane, we'd hand him off to the FBI on the deck. Well, having that MOU made sense to me, so I, I got I understood why he was there. Uh, but what I learned while he was there is he was crooked, he was a corrupt bureaucrat. He wasn't. Uh, I heard him brag into one of his uh, SES level friends in the hallway, a visitor, that he'd never gotten that S that uh, MOU written. He'd never gotten it done. He chuckled about it. He thought it was brilliant that uh, he was slow rolling it and continuing to extend his his contract there to collect two paychecks 
So anyway, um, second guy came into the office, boss, hey, it's hostile, it's sketchy, somebody's going to go postal in here. And I was like, hey, you know what? I hear you. It's it's a common <laughs> thought out there, apparently. He's, he's attacking all of us. He's trying to ruin our careers, but just stay out of it. You know, just focus on your job, be professional. And then the third guy came in, I was like, okay, I've got a responsibility to, to take action or be complicit in this yeah. self. And so I talked to my boss, uh, my, so I was the number three in charge of that field office at this time. Cause this guy had come in and, and they put him in charge of the whole thing without making him qualify or train as an air marshal. Right. So it was a ridiculous arrangement. Um, so what this, the, what he was doing was he was hunting his own agents. He was hunting all of my best agents who were spec ops veterans who were making the, the highest performance standards who weren't in trouble. The guys that were the most promotable, the hard chargers, the, the seasoned uh, decorated veterans and the professionals that he thought were in danger of, of being promoted for his job. Oh, and he was just picking you. That's off. what it turned out to be. So he was, he was, <laughs> he was literally fabricating false accusations and dirtying wow. up their, their dirt, their, their files. And now what we learned later, once a, con, a special congressional delegation investigation came into that field office is that he had been keeping illegal dirt files on his own agents, not on terrorists. I never, I, in two years of, of management meetings, I never once heard this guy talk about terrorists or hijackings or aircraft security, nothing. The only things he talked about were how to humiliate his own agents and, and uh, talk down about them, how to discredit his guys and how stupid and worthless they were and how cool and intelligent and sophisticated he was. That's, that's the only things that yeah. he was speaking about in the, in the meeting. So it wasn't hard to understand the hostility and, and where his head was at. So this guy was a draft dodger from the Vietnam era. So he had a chip on his shoulder, insecure, obviously. Uh, he was a wormy, balding, pot-bellied, disheveled man. Um, and he was a bureaucrat. His paperwork was, was his thing. And uh, so, yeah, it got really bad. So um, Merit Systems Protection Board did not intervene to stop his retaliation against me. Immediately began retaliating once the uh, inspector general called him. And uh, the Office of Special Counsel did not intervene. Scott Block was uh, head of the Office of Special Counsel. Well, he got sentenced to 10 years in prison for his corruption. But Barack Obama, uh, before he went to prison, Barack Obama stroked a pardon and just let him off. Wow. Just because. <laughs> <laughs> so do the math on that one. We all see what, what, what's oh, going on with man. these guys, right? Let's get into it. You founded Veterans for Child Rescue. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I, let's talk about that. I founded it because after Rhino Wars, people were demanding that I do more. I'm like, I do more. They, they hired me to go over there and run operations. And uh, I'm just a busted up veteran. But uh, they, they saw that I had uh, the, the history of standing up meaningful operations in austere environments of war-torn countries and so forth for different agencies and starting new uh, programs. And so... I, I like doing that. And so I thought, okay, well, do more, Sawman. You do more. I'm like, okay, there's a lot of demand for this because people were loud, you know, yay, great work with Rhino Wars, you know, go get them. You do more. I'm like, okay. So I stood up the International Coalition Against Poaching and I brought in all kinds of uh, allies from intelligence community, diplomatic community, 
counter-terrorist community and some big people from uh, Detroit auto industry. And uh, we had allies and assets all over the continent of Africa, an estimated $60 million uh, capability with helicopters everywhere, off-road vehicles that could go through anything, silent, battery-powered stuff, weapons, uh, all kinds of sophisticated drones, cameras, and suppressors, and night vision, and intelligence, and operators, and uh, diplomatic connections. And we were wired. We were connected. We had Africa completely wired. We were going to go and destroy poaching in Africa. And all of the same people that are demanding I do more. Now, when it was time to actually go and deploy, I'm like, okay, now fund this organization. We stood up a nonprofit org and like, we're like just, just fund it to get the operators over there, put food in their bellies, yeah. you know, pay for their airfare. Let's, let's get over there and start crushing this. They wouldn't even fund that. They wouldn't even fund it. It was zero money coming in through that. And after a year, um, some of the Detroit auto guys that said they were going to help us uh, never did. They said they were going to connect us to all their big Fortune 500 donors, and they, they never did. And, that is uh, a familiar theme as well. Yeah. And then I, I, I got wind. Yeah, I got wind that they were uh, reaching out to people for investors. I'm an I'm a investment. There's no return on this. It's a nonprofit org. What do yeah. you guys talk about investors? So I turned the whole thing off. I just I, I turned off the website. I deleted it. I deleted everything. I, I killed it all. They're like, you, you can't just do that. I said, I just did. Yeah. I don't know what you guys are doing, but you're not checking in with me. And uh looks predatory to me. I'm not having any part of it. So I turned it off. And uh and a lot of the big donors, potential donors that I knew said, Craig, we love you and, and trust you, but we don't trust Africa. And there's so much corruption there that it's we've donated to different counter poaching efforts over the decades and it's it all it always gets undermined by the cor- local corruption there in africa so we're not really inclined to donate and, and give and so i'm like okay well the people don't want it. i can't drag the people i'm not a billionaire right um and in fact i, I mean i have no retirement you know they've blown the whistle on that crook in vegas cost me my retirement and so oh, really yeah so i don't have any pension or anything like that so oh. i'm like well um it's not up to me to save the world by myself as uh, I do have to feed my family somehow. Right. So uh, I did more film and television work and uh, went back and continued contracting. And uh, then um, I learned about child trafficking and how bad that was from a friend of mine in an intelligence agency. And we both grew up just North of Houston. And he was saying that this, this area is the worst there is at child sex trafficking I'm like how on earth is this area so conducive to that that's 180 degrees out counter to our culture here in montgomery county texas and he said well that's probably why it's so easy for the crooks because the people are unwitting they would never believe that people would do that here and they're doing it out of wealthy people's homes you know maybe they have killed children in cages in the bedroom or something and people come in and out of the dark at night and, and uh, nobody really picks up on it and uh, so anyway, I started talking to agents that were running um, different investigations and raids and things like that. And I started learning how dark and how absolutely pervasive it is here, how big it actually is. And I was like, okay, the people need to know because I didn't know. And we can't fight what we don't know. Right. So I realized my best contribution would be to expose it, to compromise the enemy's operation. 
to expose it, rip the lid off of it, and make it impossible for them to do this here anymore. Flip over alert. some rocks. Yeah. <laughs> alert, turn, bang settle. pots and pans, turn on yeah. all the lights and go, look at this, America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and alert the populace, alert 320 million Americans to it so that we can all be the neighborhood watch. And now these scumbags have nowhere to hurt. Her, uh, nowhere to hide, nowhere to turn right. and do it anymore because everybody's going to be dogging them, videoing their license plates and faces and pinpointing them and putting together cases and burning these scumbags. And that's what needs to happen. And so I realized the best alert piece is a documentary. So uh, I started rounding up the money to film Contraland because Big Hollywood wasn't going to do it. Uh, obviously, so many of them, right. like uh, Weinstein and so forth, they're involved. Right. So, uh, and, and, and all the six major studios, right. They're all run by, uh, anti-American Marxist, uh, globalist outlook type people. They all subscribe to that outlook. And that's why all the, the messaging is so dark coming out of Hollywood. So I realized I was going to have to do it organically. I was going to have to do the whole thing, indie, independent, raise the money. So I started doing crowdfunding through GoFundMe and different, um, campaigns like that. And one by one, each of those platforms tried to block us and keep us from doing it. And uh, that's, that was the eye opener that a lot of the, there's a lot of uh, Islamic influence in uh, the crowdfunding platforms, uh, a lot of uh, Saudi influence. Yeah. Go, go research who owns and runs and a lot of the executives and a lot of these uh, crowdfunding platforms. Crazy. Very, very Islamic now. Cause uh, we, look, we've made them about trillionaires over the, last few decades buying all of our oil from them, right? We've made them yeah. extravagantly rich and they can buy whatever they want, including, uh, including corporations uh, that control our, our online social media and crowdfunding and everything else. So anyway, they were blocking us. I realized uh, I was going to have to found a nonprofit organization to round up the money to make the documentary to yeah. elect the people. I'm like, wow, could this be any more difficult? And so we went through all of that. And while we're going through all of that, our daughter got abducted and abused and raped. Yeah. There's a guy, we, we, we got him prosecuted last July of uh, 2019 uh, for 68 years. He was a repeat rapist that he'd been uh, let out multiple times of prison. How old was uh, your daughter? Can I talk about this for for just turned 18? She was 18 and where just had her 18th birthday. Uh, downtown uh, Tucson, near the University of, of Tucson. Just like literally near taken the off of the street by a stranger? No, she was coming out of a Subway sandwich shop. She'd gone in there to use the restroom, and when she came out, he came and put his arm around her and put a knife to her side. In they've broad daylight, like the security people. Yeah. There was a mill. It was, it was late at night. Uh, there was not really anybody on the side, okay. on, in front of it right then. So... Um, We've got the security cam footage. Okay. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. I mean, it's so, good you had the footage to stop, but. So that happened. She got away from him. Um, On her own? She, yeah. She she eventually, she started psychologically profiling him. She started asking him questions and talking to him and figuring out what made him tick. Because he'd said he'd murdered all the other girls before her. And that he didn't oh, know gosh. why he hadn't, hadn't killed her yet. He had a knife to her the whole the whole knife the knife was obnoxious it was like one of those big uh like i don't know like a big islamic uh, trophy knife or something that you'd see on ebay you like like huge um and they they found it in his house and uh she'd given the description of it 
um, before they'd found it. They raided the guy's house and then they, they, they picked him up on the sidewalk and uh, arrested him. But um, how long was she with him for? How long? Oh, uh, uh, most of the night, several hours. And she was, and uh, he had raped her again and again. And um, really, really nasty episode. So we got a call from her uh, frantic. Uh, hysterical screaming into the phone. Uh, my wife woke me up crying. And uh, um, so I, I called the sheriff's department while, while my wife was on the phone with my daughter to get uh, my daughter. If she could tell me a cross street, she was heading home. And if she could give me a cross street, I could, I could figure out where she was and get sheriff's department. that were already out across town to intervene and get to her quicker than I was to safeguard her until I could get there. Right. And, uh, we couldn't even get really get cross streets out of her. She was, she was hysterical and she was just boogie and straight home. Yeah. Terrorized. So we got her home and we got her to the hospital and she decided to fight back and went through the entire rape kit procedures and they took all the DNA and everything. So they, yeah, they, they put the dude away. Um, right. Yeah. You guys have Psycho. been through it. He should have never, he should have, yeah. he should not. He, there was another warrant out for him at the time that the city of Tucson had never um, bothered to go pick him up on oh. for months. And he should not right. have been on the streets when he took our daughter. So that's oh. what soft enforcement does folks. Soft judges yeah. harm the innocent people by letting these re repeat predators destroy more and more lives. It's no service to yeah. the, to the citizenry to be soft on uh, repeat criminals uh, folks. It's, it's bad. It harms everybody it's my personal feeling and i want to see if you how you feel on this that given the covid crisis that literally i don't think anybody could have foreseen the globe being shut down like everybody being told to stay home from like this is historic crazy times right well but i feel it, like yeah I, I just feel like people have gone through sudden unexpected traumatic turns in their lives before are less like surprised and shocked and unprepared to deal with the enormity of that shock than people who maybe haven't gone through something so catastrophic, <laughs> you know, yeah. in their lives. Do you feel that way? Or do, is it like, I see, I grew up with my, my parents and their visiting friends who were uh, from all over God's green earth uh, talking about how times were going to get this way. It's, it's actually, it's biblical Yeah, that times are going to get more and more turbulent and crazy. And there's going to be all this upheaval. So I, I grew up knowing that it was coming, but it is surreal to watch it play out. And if you watch how, if you, if you research and you see who the players are that benefit from panic and despair and the loss of hope, yeah. it doesn't take long to connect the dots and see why the mainstream news media is doing, doing their level worst to, to push the panic, push the fear, push the loss of hope and try to get everyone to quit and shut down their businesses and definitely cause maximum possible damage to our economy to devastate the United States. It's diabolical what they've tried to do. And I think uh, personally, they, they need to be held accountable for the harm that they've done and their, their flagrant attempts to, to do maximum destruction to our country. Look, We've got a president that's been encouraging the people. Why? Because if you're a leader, you want your people strong and empowered and informed and effective and happy and have uh, successful uh, and lives and thrive. 
And so when you see people trying to take that away, trying to cause panic and despair and confusion, that's an act of war. That's, an act, that's what an enemy does. The enemy wants you panicked and scattered before them so that you can be easily conquered. Yeah. And when you watch a mainstream news media whose owners, when you travel them all up, you trace them all up, there's only four entities now that own all of our mainstream news media outlets now. And they're all of globalist Marxist uh, political outlook. That's what they want. They want a central global government and a central global currency. And a strong, powerful United States isn't, doesn't fit into their model. Right. So they literally, once you understand that they're hostile, it's no longer a surprise. They want to break the economy of the United States, devastate the United States so that they can come in with the, well, problem reaction solution, right? The Hegelian dialectic. Yeah. They want to usher in socialism uh, as the savior. Well, that puts them in charge of everything and nobody else can ever get wealthy and challenge them for it ever again. That's the end game. That's what they're after. Once you understand that, then all of this upheaval really doesn't surprise you. You can see where they're going. And, and I actually, actually know how to counter it by staying happy, staying connected, staying uh, busy with your work, even from home, and keeping the economy rolling. Uh, pray to your God. Connect with your family. Help your neighbors. Uh, realize the sun's coming back out. Hold the crooks accountable. Prosecute them. Make harsh examples of them. And go after the network of corruption that's attacking our country and make it brighter tomorrow. Why? Because we the people are in charge. If only we will just assert ourselves and make it happen. All right, everyone, there you have it. That wraps up another podcast episode of American Snippets. That's episode number five of our uh, seven-day series. We appreciate you tuning in each and every week. Don't forget to take advantage of our podcast review right now, our contest. Uh, you can win uh, one of 25 patriotic t-shirts from our merch store, americansnippetsapparel.com. Uh, all you have to do is rate the podcast, a five-star review, write a written review, take a screenshot of that review, and email it to me, dave at americansnippets.com. The first 25 people to email me their screenshot review will win a free t-shirt. You can use iTunes. If you're uh, an Apple user, just go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a review there. All the way at the bottom of the page, you'll see write a review. Uh, so just click that link, write your review, take a screenshot of it, and email it to me, Dave, at American Snippets. If you're not an Apple user, Apple's not your thing. You can also use podchaser.com or download the Podchaser app. Podchaser is a great place to listen to podcasts, uh, start a following, follow other people, rate your podcasts. So check that out as well and leave us a review. Again, we appreciate you being here each and every day. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are.